all right. Good afternoon. Today I have the lovely Conrad Jones with me. Hello. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, you, you've gone now. <laughs> you done. Oh, there you go. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's off to a good start. Yeah, my name's Conrad Jones. Um, I'm the author of 25 um, thriller novels. I've uh, been writing since 2008. Is that it? <laughs> and hello. <laughs> <laughs> and your most recent was, uh, well, do you, do you want to tell us, is it your book? Yeah, the, the most recent one was um, Unraveling. Uh, which is, uh, it's a standalone novel, but it's, it's part of the Anglesey collection. So there's nine books in the Anglesey collection. Now, the first six um, are in one box set, and then there's another one which is, which is out now with the, the next three, although they're all individual. Uh, and so I split the series into Anglesey Murders, which is one to six, and then Anglesey Mysteries, which is uh, seven onwards. Um, and that's for a couple of reasons. And the, the couple of reasons is um, from a marketing point of view, really, uh, and not to confuse people too much. Because unfortunately, when a series becomes too long, and when I say too long, I mean too long for people to start um, in the middle or at the end. So when you get to releasing the ninth book in the series, which is unravelling, um, if you release it as the ninth book in the series, then the only people who buy it are people who've read the first eight. Um, and so it's good sometimes to split series down into mini-series and, uh, you know, shorter collections that may be linked within the series and so on. So, so uh, Unraveling was out there alone, but the ninth uh, in that series. Yeah, although I read it and I haven't read the previous eight, so, and I still thought it was awesome. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Well, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. That, that means a lot. Um, but it, it, I do try and write them all, um, whichever series they're in, so that you can just pick up any book, uh, you know, and, and you can read it. And I think it's um, in the early days of reading Lee Child um, and picking up a Reacher book, uh, I found that you could actually, you could pick up number 13 or number eight or number seven or number two. Uh, you know, without it sort of spoiling the enjoyment, you know, if there was any reference to something which had been mentioned previously, then it was pretty much explained, uh, you know, in, in a couple of lines. Um, and I tend to do the same. Whereas if there is a reference to a previous story, then it's explained usually in dialogue. So you probably won't even notice that it is a reference to a, to a previous book unless you've read it. Uh, and I think it's... Um, it's key for me anyway to, to write them as standalones rather than, uh, you know, in, a, in an order where you, you can't pick it up, you know, from, from the end or the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I must admit the thing that drew me to it most was the cover. It's a really cool but really creepy cover. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an outstanding image, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, it's from Shutterstock. I used I use Shutterstock for a lot of covers, and it's it's um, it's a it's a collection of for those that don't know, it's a collection of photographs, millions upon millions of photographs, you know, contributed by 
photographers, amateur and professionals. And you can pretty much go into the, into the uh, search bar um, and search for what you wanted. And I think I put um, mental breakdowns into the search box. And of course, it came up with um, hundreds and hundreds of, of images. And you, and you see one and you go, oh, that's it. You know, that's really good. And then you go down a bit more and then you see another one. I ended up with a, with about four, which I just could not pick from. Um, so I went back and put something slightly different in there, psychological breakdown or something like that. And then up popped that image. And that just blew all the other ones out of the water. And I just, you're never quite sure how it's going to transpose onto Amazon, you know, as a, as a thumbnail um, cover. Sometimes if the covers are a bit busy, then they, they lose their impact as a thumbnail on, uh, certainly on Kindle and so on. But that just that just jumped out and punched me in the face. I just love that. <laughs> I love that image. Yeah, although they say that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. I mean, that was just awesome. I was like, I really need to read this book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's, it's um, picking up people's comments, uh, the cover has certainly drawn some new readers to the series. So they've, they, you know, they've dived in straight at the end of the, of the series just because the covers attracted them. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was over the moon with that and I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I was going to say, luckily the content lived up to the, you know, what the cover offered, so that was good. Yeah, it's <laughs> I, will, I will add that. <laughs> it was good. Brilliant. <laughs> It, it was slightly different to uh, anything I've written before in the fact that it, it was sort of, you know, it, it just sort of encapsulated uh, two, two main characters, I think, with little bits of family around it, uh, bits going on in the background. Uh, and I, I was, you're never quite sure whether the, the plot line actually works until it, you know, the proof of, of the pud is in the eating, until it goes out there and you start seeing reviews coming in. Um, and that's the, it, it, that's the fourth book I've done in lockdown because I've had nothing else to do, obviously. But, um, and this one, it, it came together so quickly. That I really didn't have time uh, to set up a, an ARC group. You know, I, I didn't have any reviewers. It went through um, my proofreaders and my editor. Uh, but by the time they got it all together, I tried to coordinate it with a, with a book book promotion. Um, which was basically promoting the first book in the series, which was on Holy Island. Um, and these book book promotions are, are sort of expensive and they're, they're like hen's teeth. If you get one, you've got to get it right and you've got to make sure that, you, you know, your, your, your product is the right price at the right time or you can lose all your money. Um, and so I just managed to get um, Unraveling Out. Uh, and as it happened, it came out on the same day as the book book promotion so that was I'd like to say it was meticulously planned and the timing was perfect but it was just <laughs> it was just luck um, <laughs> but it all came together on the on the same day um, and it sort of the, the, that made the launch brilliant but uh, it was it was really good because I had no ARCs uh, when you see people who've had ARCs you can see the reviews coming in you know on day one um, people can get an awful lot of reviews together on day one, and you, you get a feel straight away um, of you know where the where opinion is sitting with the book and stuff. But this one, I had absolutely no idea. 
uh, what people were feeling. It was, it's one of those, you know, you've just sort of fingers crossed and you, you've got hope um, that, that people enjoy it. Because like I, I never know whether it works. Never know. You're never 100%, you know, it's, it's sort of a... It's on, especially off the back of a, of a couple of others so quickly. Um, you've, you've got a sort of a question yourself you know is it is it as exciting as the others you know is is it tense enough um you know is it too too gruesome or not gruesome enough where where's the balance and because it was done quickly um, and put out there then I, I really wasn't sure which side of, of the fence it would land but I'm over the moon with the reviews that have come in on it you know it, it seems to be going down well yeah and, and people keep saying that there could be a, a sequel which I didn't realize but uh, it's only when you read that and you say, oh, have you left that open for a sequel? And you go, ah, yeah, of course I have. And go, no, I haven't. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I, I didn't leave it like that at all with that in mind. That was just the end, the end of the book for me. Um, but in hindsight, yeah, you know, it might be something you could go back and revisit at some point. Did you have to do a lot of research for that one? Um I don't think I had to do any more research than, than you know, normal. Um, I generally tend to sort of research things quite briefly before I start writing because I find that the, the storytelling is more important to me than, the, than the, the factual side of things. And then that, that sort of just slides in as the, as the story's coming together. Um, I wing storylines, you know, they evolve in my head as I'm writing. I never have a plan. So if, if, if I had to sit down and research uh, a novel before I started it, uh, it would only be sort of the first couple of chapters that I could research because then I don't know what's happening after that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so generally, the research comes along the way. So when I come to a, a part of the story and I think, well, you know, is that right? Is that factually correct? Would that actually happen in that order? Uh, and so on. And then I'll go away and research it as, it, as it's writing. But it, it's the storyline that, that um, I find more important than anything is knitting the storylines together. And I generally have um, at least two or three plot lines running in sync. Um, and then at the end, somewhere along the line, you've got to tie them all together and... Uh, so the reader understands why you were going on about these, these two or three plot lines that come together. <laughs> uh, and it's really enjoyable writing like that because it's almost like watching, watching a series on Netflix or watching a series on the television. Um, even though I'm the, the creator of the storyline, when you don't know where it's going, it's exciting, waiting. I'm waiting for the next episode to come into my head. It's like, ah, right, that happens, yes. You know, it's... Uh, sort of eureka moments, you know, that, that happen. Um, and mine tends to happen in the morning uh, when I wake up. Uh, and I'm sure I've said this before, but uh, it's it's bizarre. Um, I wake up in the morning and I know where the next three or four chapters are going or where the storyline's going to. Um, and I, I find it absolutely, it's, it's amazing when I wake up. It's like, wow, whoa, you know, that's, <laughs> that's it. That, that makes perfect sense now. Because I can go to bed a bit, bit befuddled and confused, thinking, you know, I've got no idea how I'm going to tie that to that, or what's going to happen, or, um, you know, do they live or do they die, or, or which way is this going? 
uh, and it, it wake up with clarity the next day before I start writing. So that process um, has been a bit of a, a gift. Um, and, I, you know, I just I hope it continues. I'll put it down to drinking bracket at night before I go to bed. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> if you were to be transported into any of your books as a character, which book would you like to go into and which character would you be? Oh, now then. Um, Told you I've got some tough questions. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That is that is a tough one. That one. That's a tough one. Um, I don't know really. I, I sort of. I, I don't think that I, I write about um, any heroes. I, I think my sort of uh, the main characters tend to be a bit sort of um, ordinary. Ordinary, I think. You know, I, I think apart from maybe the first series, uh, which was the soft target series. Um, and the main character in that was a guy called John Tankersley, and his, his uh, nickname was Tank. Um, and the, the soft target series, when I look back on it, um, a lot of people thought that I was basically Tank on myself because he's quite a big guy with a, with a shaved head. Um, but actually, when, when I was looking at it, uh, I had a, he was a cage fighter from the UK called Ian Freeman, his name was. And they called him the machine. Um, and when I was writing about John Sankerson, I had Freeman in my head that that was the sort of character in the, his special forces and this, that and the other, you know. And he was, he was, he was a bit of a hero and, and, a, and a toughie, uh, getting rid of baddies and, and shooting them all. So probably Tank. <laughs> <laughs> If any of your detectives were to join up with any other fictional detective, who would you choose? Oh, outside of my own books? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've tied some of them together in my own books, generally where it's been sort of a, a phone call from, from one division to another, or um, Alec Ramsey's come back in, in a you know, sort of reference uh, in some of them. But I suppose to tie up with... with um, other people, it would have to be somebody that I could make an awful lot of money from. <laughs> so um, probably uh, Patterson's Alex Cross, Alex Cross, or maybe Sherlock Holmes, or someone I could make an absolute fortune out of, you know, writing one of my characters into that. Jack Reacher maybe even, maybe Reacher turns up on Anglesey, <laughs> uh, causing trouble. <laughs> Now that I would read. <laughs> I did. I, I actually did. Um, it was a collaboration of authors uh, with an author called Stephen Leather. I don't know if you're familiar with Stephen. I've heard of him. Yeah, I don't think I've read him. He, he writes uh, predominantly um, special forces. He has a series with a guy called Spider Shepherd. Um, and Spider Shepherd's oh, is phenomenally successful author. You know, worldwide, international worldwide selling author. One of his films recently, when I say recently, a couple of years back, they made uh, one of his films, which was called The Foreigner. Um, and it's an action-packed film set in London um, about an Asian guy who gets muddled up with the IRA of all people and they, they blow his daughter up. And of course, um, the, the protagonist in it is played by Jackie Chan. So Jackie Chan then goes around and bars everyone. You know, it's a, it's an amazing film, really, really good. 
loads of action fight scenes, you know, kung fu in it and everything. It's it's fantastic. But Stephen also has a, a supernatural series. Um, and the main character in that is called Jack Nightingale. Um, and Jack Nightingale goes around investigating supernatural occurrences all over the place. Um, and he wanted to do, he, he had a, a, a book cover and a title. So the book cover was an old um, freestanding bath uh, full of blood. And it had a rubber duck floating in it. And on the wall was written bloodbath. Uh, and then he, he just asked other authors to do a short novel or a novella, I should say, called Bloodbath, using Jack Nightingale. So I think there were about seven of us that all wrote a short Jack Nightingale novella. Um, and that's free, actually. That's, it's a free download. It's always been free um, on Amazon, Bloodbath. You can download that collaboration. Um, and that was really good fun to write. Uh, about another author's character, um, you know, in the situations. It, it was it was really, really good fun. I really enjoyed doing that. Um, you know, and it's, it's it's one of those things where if, if you could do it without being arrested, uh, you know, I, I'd quite like to write a Jack Reacher book or, you know, an Alex Cross book or um, another episode of Hannibal Lecter, you know, a, a, another... Uh, novel in the silence of the lambs things and, and I don't know whether that's complete jealousy because somebody else thought up those characters um, and I, I think they'd be so brilliant to get inside the heads and write a novel or whether it's like in the stories and just thinking do you know what I could do that with that novel and, and that with this and you know you, you probably wouldn't be able to touch what's already been written but it would be so much fun to to have a go um, and do that yeah but uh, definitely um, good fun definitely yeah, that sounds awesome, actually. <laughs> um, do you have any fears or phobias, and would you write about them, or have you written about them? Yeah, I do. I, I write about my phobias quite a lot. Um, I have a, a real fear of heights. Um, I can't even go up a ladder, and it, it's... Uh, I don't know at what point or at what age I developed this fear, but um, I certainly didn't have it as a kid, because I, I lived near... Um, we lived in the countryside and I was forever climbing up trees, and making swings and stuff. So as, as a youngster, I had no fear of heights. But now um, it's it's absolutely petrifying. You know, it, it, I went up the top of the Empire State Building and couldn't let go of the handrail, you know, holding on to it. Um, and the security guard said, uh, oh, sir, he said, um, are you OK there? And I said, no, I'm scared of heights. And he said, I wasn't even looking that way. I was looking at the wall. So I'm not looking at this amazing view because I can't turn around. Um, and this security guard, he said, oh, wow. He said, you, you've conquered your fear by coming up here. And I said, I'm holding on to the handrail in tears. It will look like I've conquered anything at all. You know, I've conquered anything. Nothing. So, yeah, so I, I write about that. And I think um, uh, there's a couple of times where I've used bridges, so... Um, certainly one of the Braddock book, I think that opens, uh, stats called Shadows, and that opens on Runcorn Bridge, which is a huge suspension bridge which goes over the Mersey between Widnes and, and Runcorn on Merseyside. Um, and a police officer, she's a female police officer, and she has to climb this bridge, which is basically tubular, big metal tubes, and she's shinning up this 
this tube and it's windy and it's rainy um, you know and, and it's dark um, and she's being forced to, to climb up this bridge uh, because the the, the uh, there's a drug gang which have got a um, and she's, she's forced to climb up this bridge and I'm not going to tell you the, the plot uh, but writing that you know it, it was almost putting yourself in that position um, so yeah I, I do write uh, phobias and fears and stuff yeah yeah quite a lot and I think it, it's good when you write in to feel the fear you know I think feel, feeling the fear uh, comes across in your writing and I think Definitely. I, I certainly feel the emotions of the characters that I'm writing about when I'm telling a story. Yeah. Sometimes that, that, that can be quite exhausting sometimes. You know, when you get to the end of a, of a, a tough day, when it's um, the plot line's sticking, things are getting a bit a bit frantic and stuff. You, know, you can't wait to shut your laptop and have a glass of wine and think, bloody hell, I'm glad that's over until tomorrow. <laughs> What's your most overused word or phrase when you come to edit your book? Fuck. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. And it's, uh, it's, it's a, not an experiment, but certainly I'm very, very conscious of not using swear words in, in novels. Um, in the early days, uh, I used to use it as, um, as people speak. You know, some people use more profanity than others and stuff, but... Uh, certainly in a, in a pub environment um, when alcohol's flowing and stuff, you know, obviously people swear more under those situations or when they're stressed. Um, there's certain chances of society where swearing, you know, they, they'll use swearing more than normal words, you know, in, in that sort of gangster um, language. You know, it, it's, it's used an awful lot. So, but I think if you try and put um, the vocab on a page, it, it doesn't work for me. You know, I think you, you can use too many swear words, I think. And it's, I, you know, I, I see authors complaining all the time that they've had a review where it says the profanity is too much or there's too many swear words in there. Um, and, you know, oh, well, it's just real life. You know, that's what those people in, in, that, in that context, that's how they would speak. And I get that. I understand that. Um, however, I think as a reader, uh, it grates on me a little bit you know, when I, when I read a book with too many swear words in. So, so I'm very, very conscious um, of not doing it. And I, I can't remember which books it was now, but I wrote four on the bounce, which didn't have the F word in it once. Um, and at no point did any reviewers mention that there wasn't enough swearing, <laughs> swearing <laughs> in the books, where there the possibly should have been, you know, in some of the scenes, some of the context there. Um, maybe the language that I used probably wasn't uh, profane enough for that situation, but nobody said anything, nobody noticed it. So not using it didn't spoil anybody's enjoyment um, of those novels, if that makes sense. Um, I think in the last couple, um, I'd try and use it as sparingly as possible, but keeping it realistic. And it's a fine balance, I think. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm, I'm Apart outside of, of, of swear words and stuff, um, very, very. I use very, very much. Um, and then I have to go back through and think, how many times have I used very? And I'll actually search it 
you know, where you, you can search the document and I'll search very and it'll take you to the next one. And, you know, you, you, you've got to come up with a, um, you know, a better word than very frightened or, you know, very angry. <laughs> but nine times out of ten, it's because you, you're writing so quickly, you know, you're trying to get the story out. Um, and then, you know, getting it right and uh, not using the same words too often. Um, I think that's that's part of the editing process and it's, it's quite a skill, I think. Um, and I know that there are some writing programmes that will pick that up for you. Um, but I, I, I can't use writing programmes. They put me off. When I'm actually storytelling, they put me off. They interfere with the flow. Um, and it's like, you know, tell me later. <laughs> when I finish this chapter, tell me I've used very too much or tell me I've used the F word too often. But don't tell me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were able to spend the day with any author, dead or alive, who would you spend the day with? Um, I always I always say James Herbert um, when this question comes up. And it, it's just simply because when I was a, a teenager, um, the books I was given at school to read for, they weren't O-levels. I think my generation was the first group of people to do GCSEs. Um, I don't think they're even still around anymore then. But the, the books that we were given to read for um, final exams were awful. Um, they were boring. Um, one of them, one of them ironically, was The Hobbit, which is sort of those films and the favourite films of all time. But the books are just, oh, my God, you know, it's like watching paint dry in some of them. Um, I didn't get on with The Hobbit. I think one was called The Chrysalids. Um, I didn't get on with that. I can't even remember what the other ones were called. That, that was how much impact they had on me. But I remember somebody gave me um, a copy of The Rats. Uh, I think I read it in two days. You know, I was up all night reading it. And I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, and then I pretty much hoovered up everything that, that Herbert wrote, you know, and it, to the point where I was waiting for um, the next book to come out, you know, obviously a long time before ebooks and stuff, you know, uh, waiting for his novels. And every now and again, he'd, he'd wander from, um, from the horror genre into the sort of supernatural type things. And I, I read a book which was called... The Magic Cottage. Um, and then he did another one, which was called Portent. Um, and while the books were genius, um, you know, and his writing just always enthralled me, you know, it, it sucked me in straight away and I'd want to read it. I just thought, no, that, that's not, you haven't written that. That's just not horrible enough. You know, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's too mysterious and too magical. And we don't want magic. You know, we, we want monsters and we want rats and, and people being eaten. Um, and so sometimes, uh, while I loved his writing, you know, he, he wandered outside of the genre that sort of sucked me in. And I think his books led me into reading Stephen King, um, Sean Hudson, uh, and a couple of others who sort of write in, in that um, genre at the time, just purely and simply because they were, they were more exciting than um, anything else that was on offer at the time. Um, and so I, I always say I, I would like to sit down with James Herbert um, and, and tell him how magical I thought his books were and still are. Um, and that I, I mimic um, his style of hooking the reader and dragging you through the story. So um, James Herbert was really good at 
setting up a couple of storylines which run in sync and flicking between the two. So if you've got three storylines, he'd flick between the three. So it might be one o'clock in the morning and you get to the end of the chats on a cliff holder and you're hanging and you're thinking, oh, I'll just, I'll just find out what happens and you don't because the next chapter flicks back <laughs> and so on. And I try to mimic that as much as possible because I, I do really think it's, it keeps the momentum of the storyline going through, um, you know, and um, drags, drags the reader along with it. Um, and from a writing point of view, um, it also helps me with my structure in the fact that, um, you know, chapter five might be, you know, the next scene in, in plot one. So that means six is plot two, seven's plot three, eight is back to plot one, and so on and so forth. So you, your plot lines are all running in sync, bum, 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 with not too much gap between the action in, in all the plot lines and stuff. And you can keep it all woven together like that. And I, I think sort of, um, apart from the, the magnificent stories he came up with, he was he was a master of that, of knitting the plot lines together and stuff, you know. And it's uh, it, it's it's certainly his style which which inspired me to read and then lead on to writing. Yeah, um, I've I've done it the other way around. I read Stephen King first and then read James Herbert because my mum and my sister went on and on and on and on about reading the rats till eventually I read them and yeah they are something else but yeah I get that. I think the, the trilogy, uh, the rats, the uh, lair and then the main, they just got better and better. I think the main is still one of my favourite books of all time because you've got that post-apocalyptic London, um, which, you know, which, which people have sort of replicated, you know, in zombie films and, you know, apocalyptic films and so on. But that, the setting that he described of London post-apocalypse, it, it, was, it was just fantastic. You know, it, it, I was walking through those empty streets, you know, in every scene in the book. It, it, was, it was absolute genius. Genius. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Yeah, it was my yeah. favourite as well. And yeah, it's one that stuck with me. Even though I've only ever read it once, I still remember quite details, um, you know, the plot and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Very and I, I think, it, it, you know, if, if an author can do that to you, then, they, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's exactly what they're setting out to do. And I think, it, I, I don't know if it's the actual opening scene. I think it is. Or it's certainly one of the opening chapters. There's a scene in a book called The Dark, um, and that sort of, you know, it's verging on um, clinically mad. You know, the, the descriptions in there and, the, you know, the, what happens in the scene and stuff. You just, oh, my God, how's this even been published, you know, back in, the, in, that, in that day and age? Um, but again, you know, the, the skill that he had in taking you through these scenes and, um, you know, even if you were a little bit squeamish, you could not put his books down. He's so talented. Um, if you were able to travel in time, either forwards or backwards, where would you go? Um, I think for, for a lot of reasons, um, I don't know the answer to that, because it's... 
it's a tough one, that, definitely. Um, I think I'd probably go back and speak to my mum and dad. <laughs> You're a big softy, really, then, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, are you sure you want that reputation to be leaked out? <laughs> oh, that's, you know, everyone knows I'm a teddy bear. <laughs> that's all right then I wouldn't want to go destroying your image in no no no, no oh it's been destroyed a long time ago <laughs> um, who was your first celebrity crush celebrity crush oh I'll tell you it is and I can't remember her name now that's how it's uh, she played Aunt Sally in Wurzel Gummidge I think her name was was it Anita Davis Nita Davis, I think, she had a beauty spot here. She was absolutely gorgeous. Was, even when she was dressed up as a scarecrow, she was gorgeous. That was there. That was like instant. You knew straight away. I'm quite impressed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> nice. Um, if I was to ask your friends and family what your most annoying habits are, what would they say? Um... Annoying habits. I'm probably that I fidget. I fidget. I, ne I don't keep still. I never keep still. I'm always moving. Um, don't relax very much. Uh, even when I'm sleeping, I'm just all over the place. I'm a proper, I wriggle like a racing snake. I've been told many times through my life. I just, I never keep still. Um, I don't shut up, probably. So they're, they're probably the most annoying things, probably. Not too bad, could be worse, I'm sure. <laughs> but then I don't live with you, so it sounds fine to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's been your favourite moment so far being an author? Favourite moment? Mm. Oh, wow. If you had to pick one. Um, I think probably um, last month when, uh, as I, I was saying to you about that uh, book, book promotion and then unravelling coming out at the same time, um, and Unraveling went in and sort of by, I think by tea time on the first day, it picked up one of the orange bestseller tags in the violence in society um, category. So that, that was sort of, that was, that was, um, that made my day that it gone up. And I got a good review from somebody. I only had one on the first day, but it was a good review. I think it was in the top 200 and something. Uh, but then the promotion, excuse me, for Book Book for Unholy Island kicks in about tea time because it's it's an American time. Um, and by nine o'clock the next morning, Unholy Island was the most downloaded free book in Canada, America, Australia and the UK. Um, and it stayed at the top of all four for three days. Um, so that was that was there. Uh, that was sort of a, as good as it gets, really, to be honest. That you know, when you when you see that kind of thing, and the, and of course the the big um, test of that is it's it's all very well downloading fifty thousand copies in in three days or something, which is um, what it achieved uh, in America. Is that's fifty thousand new readers that perhaps haven't experienced uh, any of your other novels before. Uh, and then the reviews and the ratings started pouring in. <laughs> it was like, 
I was looking at her like this, two fingers going, oh, what does that one say? What does that one say? Oh, no, that's a one star. It says worst writing ever. So I think one of the first ones I read was the worst writing ever. Um, this author is sick in the head. Um, and when I read that, I thought, well, actually, that's 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 okay, that, to be honest, for, for a thriller writer. You know, if somebody thinks that, then they've probably been a bit scared by it. And then, they, you know, I read a couple of good ones and think, oh, well, you know, um, nine out of ten we're, we're all right so I'll take that you know you take that and if the only bad thing they can say is, is I'm sick in the head well I can live with that worst writing ever that's just cheeky that is <laughs> but you know you, you've got to take these you've got to take these things on the chin you know you put your work out there for people to read and not everybody's going to like it you've got to be thick skinned with that kind of thing but I would say that you know each time each time I complete a novel and release it and, and you get good reviews then, you know, it, it's such a, a feel-good feeling, you know. It, it's, uh, it, it's, it's difficult to pick a moment, but certainly um, June and July 2021, that, that was quite a special, quite a special couple of weeks, uh, definitely. And what's your biggest goal or your biggest dream? Um, I've, I've got to say, really, to, to just to continue to to keep writing books that people enjoy. That's the, the thing that I enjoy the most um, is sitting down and writing. I, I absolutely love um, the creative process. I'm lost when I'm not writing, to be honest. You know, it, it's, I'm looking around for things to do. Um, and all I'm thinking about really is, is sitting down and, and writing the next project. Um, but I have got a meeting. I've got an appointment on the 30th of July um, with Film Cymru, which is basically the Welsh uh, Film Corporation, as they call it. So Film Cymru is Film Wales. Um, and I've got an appointment with them uh, via Zoom, so I'll have to work this out again. <laughs> um, I'll be making notes on how to do it. Uh, and I've got an appointment with them with a view to um, collaborating on a project where they, they want to look at some of the books which is set in Wales um, what what they they want to do from there I'm not really allowed to say at the moment but um, certainly sounds very encouraging uh, although I, you know I, I'm not going to hold my breath uh, on anything like that but um, I know that sort of there's there's, uh, there's a lot of money available um, grant wise for um books set in Scotland, books set in Ireland, books set in Wales, you know, not so much in, in the UK, but, but not so much, sorry, in England, but certainly the, the territories, you know, where, where there's, there's money available for stuff which is set in Wales, available to the Welsh film industry and so on. Uh, so they're always on the lookout for, for projects, you know, and it, it's easier to take an existing project um, which has been successful with thousands and thousands of reviews behind it, uh, than to see, well, I wonder if people would like this. You know, so taking something new um, isn't always the best option when you've got something there which could be adapted. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that the conversation at the end of the month um, is, is the one I want to have, and, and uh, we'll, we'll see what goes from there. Uh, but that's a big secret, so if, you, if you're listening to this, 
<laughs> I'm sure your secret's perfectly safe with all 20 people that will watch this. It's fine. Yeah, I just want a cameo in the background. I stood on a rock. I, I wrote this. <laughs> Need a sandwich board or something or a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I wrote it. It's mine. 99, 99p today <laughs> in the background. <laughs> I could totally see you doing that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, so what are you working on at the moment and what's next for you? Ah, right. Well, at the moment, I'm doing some research. Um, so I'm, I'm reading a couple of books and I'm watching some documentaries on TV uh, and just sort of getting my head full of uh, a time and a place which uh, the next book's going to be set. Um, and I don't really want to say too much about it, but the, the next project uh, isn't going to be part of the Anglesey Murders, uh, nor is it going to be part of any of the other series. This is this is probably um, just a one-off, uh, but it's something I've been thinking about writing for, for several years now. Um, and I think having written four books um, in the series, in the Anglesey series, in the space of, you know, 12, 14 months to lockdown, uh, my brain is sort of uh, frazzled a bit with it all, and I, I just think I need a little break away from it, just just for just for the next project, and then we'll see where it goes. So I'm researching the next project is is the answer to your question, and it's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> just just in case it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> if it's rubbish, if it's rubbish and it doesn't work, then it doesn't matter what I say now. But if it does work, then I'll, obviously you'll be one of the first to, to know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, you may be relieved to know that I don't have any more questions, I don't think, unless you think there's anything I haven't asked. Oh, no, no. I think you've asked lots of questions, um, which I've, I've tried to answer without looking like a lunatic. <laughs> Too much, um, but no, no, thank you very much for entertaining me again, having me back on. It's always a pleasure. And good luck with you your new job. Good luck, Spellbound. Good luck. <laughs> um, and before we go, do you just want to remind everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can get your books from? Yeah, um, they're all on Amazon. It's dead simple. Um, they're exclusive to Amazon because um, Amazon give me more money than anybody else does. And I don't <laughs> sell any books on Apple or Kobo or any of the others. Um, so Amazon's where you can get my books. Uh, all the box sets uh, are on offer at the moment at $1.99 for each series, which is an absolute bargain. Um, so if you fancy a read, now's the time to get them while they're cheap. Definitely. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.